from BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Finding the right news podcast can feel like dating. It seems promising until you start listening. When you hit play on Post Reports, you'll get fascinating conversations and sometimes a little fun, too. I'm Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. Martine and I are the hosts of Post Reports. The show comes out every weekday from The Washington Post. You can follow and listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be a match, I promise. Thinking sideways. I don't understand. Does not compute. You never know. Insufficient data to formulate a reply. What? Stories of things we simply don't know the answer to. Well, hi there. Welcome to Thinking Sideways, the podcast. I'm Joe. Joined by. I'm Steve. Devin. Okay, tonight we're giving you a quick update on Malaysian Flight 370. That's why we're talking so fast. So, without any further ado, let's get right into the story. Yeah! Stat! Okay, <laughs> just kidding, folks. Huh. Gonna... <laughs> yeah, worry. this is a... So, this is a real quick little update, a little bonus episode for you guys. Uh, since we posted our episode about MH370, there have been a few developments we wanted to bring you guys up to date on if you weren't aware of them. Uh, first development, an Australian company named GeoResonance claims that they have found a jetliner at the Bay of Bengal. Where's that? Uh, it's to the east of India. Cool. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, they, they say nobody is, uh, the, the Australian government has actually said they don't take their claims seriously. Nobody else has actually bothered to go out and have a look-see to find out if it's there. And it's, it, it really is, actually, it seems like unlikely that it's in that spot because they kept flying for a, long, a much longer period of time, of time than it would have taken for the plane to get to the Bay of Bengal. Uh, so they may or may not have found it. I don't think it's likely. Well, yeah, nobody's really taking it seriously. And what are they basing this discovery on? Yeah. Is it photographs that they, they're looking at? I think that, well, they, their mission is to find stuff on the ocean floor, usually minerals. Uh-huh. And apparently one of the ways they do it is by sniffing the air above above the, above the sea. And they can, they can get traces of various, of various things, like elements and things like that. 
And apparently they, they found traces of things like that you would expect to find at a plane crash site, like uh, traces of, uh, of jet fuel, or at least the, the odor of jet fuel, traces so of aluminum. They're using like smell-o-vision. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> using, and I, yeah, and so anyway, I'm... I, I don't know exactly how their technology works, and they might not, they probably don't want to like fill everybody in on all the dirty little details of how their tech works, but they claim that they found it, and they're standing by their claim. They, okay. they claim that they found this, or that they found a plane crash? Well, that's true. They found a plane crash, okay. it sounds like. That's what they're saying. Okay, cool. that's, that's development number one. Uh, development number two, now I know everybody's heard about this. Um, they decided that the plane took the southern route, and the reason they've decided that is the company that owns the satellite that uh, did all the pinging on the plane. In Marset, right? In Marset, yeah. Or in Marsat, excuse me. Uh, they analyzed their satellite data, and they, they announced that they were highly confident that MH370 flew south and not north. Because remember, at first, there was just a series of pings that went from the satellite down to the plane. The plane replied back. And as, as time went by, the return time of the ping grew longer. And so that's how they knew that it was arcing away from the satellite. And but they didn't know what direction the ping was coming from. Mm -hmm. So it could either have been north or south. Right. And then they announced that they had uh, figured it out and analyzed their data. And we'll talk a little bit more about how they figured that out in a bit. Okay. And there's been another development. The third development is that there is a private organ intelligence organization called LIGNET, which stands for Langley Intelligence Group Network. And uh, these guys um, have claimed, they claimed in late March that they have intelligence that indicates that the plane landed on, in Pakistan. And Langley, that would be the CIA headquarters? Uh, not necessarily. I mean, anybody can, it, it might be, it might be former intelligence operators that work for, that work for Ed Langley, uh, or it might just be that they could, they appropriated the name because no, there's no law to stop them. True. They true. Say, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Very true. Yeah. But apparently, I mean, there are, um, there are private intelligence services like Stratfor is one that comes to mind that are actually highly competent and you know they're entirely private they're non-governmental okay yeah. okay cool. and so these guys are, i think are along the lines of so that. they're saying that it, it's been landed somewhere yeah apparently they're uh, apparently their strongest indicator for this is uh an, an, some engineers at boeing who have confided in them that, that, that boeing believes that it's on the ground in pakistan ah. and, which makes me think that you know and, and that you know when you think about it, a 777 is a big plane it would be really easy to hide an extra transponder or two on that thing and, and not bother to tell the airplane company about it so and so if, if somebody was going to hijack a plane and take the crew hostage take the plane somewhere then the first thing that they would do if they wanted to hide the plane is they would tell they would force the crew to tell them where every single switch for every transponder, or every communication device on the plane is, so they can shut everything off. So having having a device on the plane that the crew is not aware of would actually be kind of a good thing. Yeah, but it seems like the sort of thing that Boeing would have, I mean, let some people know about. You would think that they you would. Know, they, yeah, I mean, they there, was least, there was a lot would have of slipped out by now. They well, would have said, "Hey, U.S. government." We did. We have this hidden thing, and we know where it is. Well, so the, yeah, the deal. That, no, that's that's true. But uh, you don't know that the U.S. government isn't aware of this. I guess that's true. Yeah, they could be doing some covert mm -hmm. something or another. Yeah. So anyway, those are our three developments. Um, as you as you know, if you listen to our previous episode, we concluded team team sideways. That is, we concluded that the plane had flown north and was in the hands of terrorists who were going to come back and rain some nuclear death on somebody. I thought I thought it was aliens. Yeah. No. I don't remember agreeing to that. No, I don't think we agreed to that one. Okay. 
I thought it was. Well, I meant I meant the the nuclear thing. Oh nuclear yeah, we agreed. Thing. To I, I, I know I didn't we? agree to the alien one oh. either, but slipping mm. out of time. Yeah, that yeah. was okay. one. Yeah, that yeah, was yeah. one. What about the yeah. black hole? We, we, that's that was a no. That was a no, right? Yeah, that was yeah. a total no. Okay. Oh, it's such yeah. a spoil sport. Yeah. So okay. Um, so anyway, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get back to Inmarsat and, and their announcement that they were con- they were conclusively sure that it would, had gone south. And yeah, I don't know if any any of you know this. Actually, until recently, I didn't know this. I didn't know how they figured that out. I just sort of thought, well, you know, they're the experts. What the hell? Right. Right. So here's what happened. Here's, they have a satellite over the Indian Ocean. Uh, it's at 64 degrees east, zero degrees north, because it's on the equator. Oh. And it's in a geostationary orbit, mm-hmm. which means that it's at two, 22,236 miles above sea level. And at that, at that height, you're in an orbit that's, that's exactly the same speed as the Earth's rotation. Oh. So you appear it's to hover. It's truly geosynchronous over. then. Yeah, it's geosynchronous. That's, yeah. that's cool. I, didn't, I guess I didn't realize that was a thing that we did. Mm-hmm. Although it makes yeah. sense that, of course, like we would do that. Yeah, Man. yeah. yeah the, closer you, the, the closer two objects uh, are orbiting each other, the, the closer they are, the faster they're moving around sure, each other. Sure, sure. Yeah. And then the farther out, the slower. Right. Yeah. So, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So that's uh, that's a sweet spot right uh-huh. there, a very popular spot to put satellites. There is this natural phenomenon called precession, and what that is is you you put a geo a geosynchronous satellite into orbit, and it's it's near to perfect in its positioning, but over time the the pull of the of the sun, the pull of the moon, solar wind, magnetic variations in the Earth's crust will pull that thing out of orbit over the equator. So its position is degraded. Yeah, it has, and so. So this thing is now 1.66 degrees off the equator. So it, so that means during the course of a day, it goes as far as 1.66 degrees north, and then it starts going back down and crosses the equator again, and goes 1.66 degrees south of the equator. Oh, so it's, so it's that dribbling would make it, up and down. And that yeah. would make it easier for them to figure out if things had gone north or south, right? Uh, yeah, exactly. That's that's how they they use it. There's, there's a here's a diagram of the uh, of the things. Uh huh. So, yeah, I saw okay. that. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, so it that uh, makes total sense. Yeah, and so that's <laughs> how they were able to figure it out. They uh, because this thing uh, at a certain point was during the flight was moving north, and then for for the the latter two thirds of the flight, or until they lost contact with the plane, it was moving south mm-hmm. at, at, and gaining speed. Uh, but th- this thing doesn't really move fast in a north-south direction. The fastest it goes is maybe 30, 35 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know. Now we talk about the Doppler effect. And we all know what that is. We'll talk real quick, though. Doppler effect is, is what happens when you compress waves. So it happens with, with sound waves. Imagine a locomotive going by you, blow, blowing its horn. It's a, yeah, and when it goes past you, suddenly it, it drops it drops in frequency because it's moving away from you, so the sound waves lengthen out. There's a great episode of Big Bang Theory in which Sheldon dresses up like the Doppler effect. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> Go look at it if you I, haven't I seen it. I would like it. to see how he pulls that one it's off. It's amazing. That's a good one. Yeah. yeah. I'm the Doppler effect. I like that. <laughs> so that happens with light, happens with radio waves, everything. So when the satellite pings the plane, it gets a ping back, and then if the plane is moving away from the satellite then it changes the radio frequency of the return ping. Mm-hmm. And then, yep. the, yeah. So if it's, so, if, yeah, so, so if it's moving towards it, the, the frequency will slowly increase. If it's moving away, it slowly decreases. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Correct? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Just make and sure so, I'm on par with, or on yeah. table with this. But they, they track, they, they graph the actual data, the actual shifts in frequency that, that they experienced through the pings, graphed all that. Then they drew up 
on knowing the speed and the direction of the satellite. They basically drew two theoretical curves on the same graph of what the ships would look like if it had gone north and what the ships would look like if it had gone south. Mm-hmm. And they found that the, and they found that the actual data that they got on that graph correlated very strongly with the southern projected track. And so that's why they concluded with such confidence that um, it had gone south. Well, turns out there are some people that have been trying to make sense of the graph. And some, we're not talking about just like yahoos with a website or anything. <laughs> not Us. talking about just yeah, like yeah. weird thinking sideways yeah, people or exactly. anything. Yeah, exactly. We're talking about people who actually know what they're talking about. I graph like, everything, yeah. though. Yeah. Don't, don't lie. Yeah. Just don't lie. Okay, so, I don't graph anything. <laughs> yeah, and so... Um, Thanks for, for outing me there, Devin. You're really welcome. Appreciate that. Yep. Yeah, damn it. No problem. <laughs> okay, so, so some of these guys, I'll, I'll name four of them here. Michael Exner is a founder of a company called American Mobile Satellite Corporation. So this guy probably knows a bit about satellites and stuff, yeah, huh? I yeah, I think so. Duncan Steele is a physicist who currently is working at NASA. Slash porn star. Uh, no, actually, do you guys recognize the name Duncan Steele? It, it does sound really familiar. 1991 yeah. VG. Or oh. VG 1991. He was the, one of the main guys that was in that story that we talked about. Oh, that's right. So he's totally, right. oh my God, so that we've I talked wonder, about him before. Wow, was he the same guy? Same guy. I thought I just recognized his name from, like, romance novels. Yeah, uh, no, I'm gonna, no. I'm gonna, Duncan Steele. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was, That's Danielle Steele. Oh. But I also made that mistake in that yeah. episode, yeah. But, Sorry. Uh, yeah, we're gonna need to, like, like look this guy up on his wiki page and see. Uh, it's the same dude. Same Pretty dude? positive it's the same dude. Yeah, Because okay. I went to his website. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah, okay. Uh, and okay. the web doesn't lie. Oh, yeah, no. the web never lies, yeah. No. Okay, next next guy in line, Tim Farrar, who's a satellite technology consultant, and a guy named Ari Schulman, who's editor of The New Atlantis, and I have no idea, I didn't bother to go find out what that mag is about, but he wrote a long, very interesting article where he summarized some of the, um, some of the problems that they've had with figuring out Inmarsat's uh, data. And so here are some of the problems. Oh, I was going to say, yeah, I was going to ask, had you, were you going to go into those problems? Because I found it really interesting when I read the articles about it. Mm, yeah. The, uh, the problems that, that they have with the graph. Okay, number one, the first ping, if you look at the graph, uh, it was taken when the plane was on the ground. It shows a shift of minus 85 hertz. So according to their calculations, and this involves like... This involves like three-dimensional trigonometry and stuff, which is why I didn't actually sit down and try to try to replicate the oh, calculations. No. No, 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 no. I looked at the graph. Not even close. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'll take their word for it. So according to according to these guys, the plane would have had to be be moving about fifty miles an hour relative to the satellite mm-hmm. to produce that kind of a shift. So that doesn't make any sense in Marsat. No, because that's, that's a, when they're loading yeah. baggage. Yeah. The plane's not moving. Yeah, I think at that time they were they were at the gate, or they might have just left the gate, but they weren't yet taxiing to the runway. Okay. According to the, according to their logs, they say that the the frequency shifts are higher at the beginning of the graph, and including that fifty miles an hour at the sitting at the starting gate, and they're lower at the other end. So the shift at the last ping on their graph shows the plane moving away from the satellite at. 103 miles an hour, but they produced a map, which we've all seen. It's a map of the globe that shows these two different arcs that the plane can take. Mm -hmm. And uh, that map shows the plane receding at 272 miles per hour relative to the satellite. So that makes no sense. Well, and their their whole basis is that when Inmarsat did all their math, Mm -hmm. they didn't, they, they said, well, the satellite doesn't move. So we know where it's at. They didn't take into consideration the fact that the satellite is actually moving up and down, north and mm-hmm. south, 
And when uh, these guys, when I was reading it, these guys did the math and they said, well, if you factor in the fact that at this point it should have been at the peak of its northbound arc mm-hmm. and you factor that in, oh, wait, the plane is moving at one mile an hour mm-hmm. in the in the very first ping that's 11 minutes before takeoff. So that actually makes more sense. That's yeah. how they got to their, their arc mm-hmm. of trajectory of where this plane mm-hmm. would have gone. Well, actually, they took it a step further. In Marset... Inmarsat based their, their their calculations on the fact that the satellite was moving, mm-hmm. and uh, and so that's how they figured that out. That, that the satellite was so so. Say for example, if the plane's going south and the satellite is moving south, then what that means is that a ping back from the plane that is going south is going to be at a higher frequency than the ping back from the plane going north. Right. Yeah, and that's how. So that's how Inmarsat figured that out. What they didn't take into account, apparently, is that the satellite is also moving relative to the ground receiving oh. station that it's sending its data to. That's right. right. Yeah, okay, that's, that's where it is. So, yeah, so they ping the plane, they get back a shifted radio ping, and, and then they retransmit that to the ground station. And Which is also moving relative to the satellite. Yeah, that's, it's, yeah it is. And the, ground sat, the, the receiving station is in Perth, Australia. And mm. it's southwest, a long ways southwest yeah. from the satellite, and so it, then so the fact that they didn't take that into account threw their threw all their stuff off. So it's, uh, it actually is two moving points in space, mm. not one moving point so in space. Do, yeah. Do they have an updated graph then? Inmarsat does not. Uh, but one, these guys. Yeah, these guys did. Michael Exner, the the founder of American Mobile Satellite Corporation, uh, did the calcs on what exactly what exactly the shift would have been between the satellite and the ground station. And then mm-hmm. he basically plotted that, subtracted it from uh, the actual data, and plotted a different graph that actually matches reality far, far better than Inmarsat's graph. Smart people. Yeah. 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 And then this one, like you said, does have the plane be practically at zero at the beginning, which is where it ought to be. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, you think. Hopefully. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> okay, as I said, the, listen to the problems. The first thing, they were moving fast. The shifts are higher, but they solved that problem. They're higher at the beginning and lower mm-hmm. at the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, and another big problem with it is, and I'm going to hold up this graph to the microphone so our listeners can, can see this. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, another big problem with it is, is uh, they fixed that, but that still doesn't settle the issue of, of whether the plane went north or south because, as these guys have said, Inmarsat's projected or predicted tracks for the plane north and south make absolutely no sense uh if you look at uh, and, we, and we'll post a, we'll post a copy of this on online for our wonderful listeners but if you look at this at for ni- those of us in the room yeah for those of you in the room you can see this if you look at this at, at 1940 and we're talking time here uh there were there was a ping set out mm-hmm. and this is the actual the green light is the actual recorded ping Mm. And this is the north course, what, what the shift would have been for the north course, and this is what would have, it would have been for the south course. Mm-hmm. But at that time, at 1940, the satellite had reached its northernmost point and was about to start going back south again, mm-hmm. which means that relative to the planes, either the north or the south plane, the satellite wasn't effect, effectively was not moving. Yeah, it was, it was stable. Yeah, it was at that point not really moving. So what, they're, what, what people are puzzled about on its, the, the predicted tracks that Inmarsat put on that graph is those points should be together. They should be like, you know, the same spot. Yeah. I also think when I see correlations like this on a map that are so close, uh-huh. when they're like, oh yeah, this is what we project it would have been and this is what it actually is. So like, obviously this is where it went. Mm-hmm. I just kind of call bunk on it. Yeah. Like, uh-huh. I just don't necessarily, I can't, 
I just can't quite, uh, yeah, I can't quite get there. Yeah, well, there's some other head scratchers about the whole thing. Um, after, the, after the satellite started moving southward, then those two lines should, should like, assume the, south, that the satellite turned around, started going south, and, and imagine for a moment that it's moving consistently the same speed as it mm-hmm. moves along that line, right? So at that point, those two lines should be parallel. In other words, the, the shift should be the same, mm-hmm. no matter what, for the north and the south. It should, it should stay the same because the satellite is moving at the same rate. However, of course, the satellite is not staying at the same speed. It's picking up speed as it moves southward. Mm-hmm. What that means is that those lines should move apart. Mm-hmm. As time goes by, now look at the graph, and what do you see? They're they're, they're parallel. parallel. Yeah. No, they're not. They're parallel for a bit, and then look look what happens. They cross. Oh, they do. Oh, the north south lines. The north, the predicted north south track lines yeah. cross. Now, how can this happen when the satellite is moving southward? Yeah, that's an issue. Uh huh. Yeah. Oh. And so uh, this thing is fraught with problems. Yeah. I'm not even that good at graph things, and I. It sort of jumps out at you, huh? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, yeah, so anyway, uh, these guys have been uh, have been trying to get information from Inmarsat about this, and they're not divulging what their methodology was for arriving at any of this stuff. Guessing, we guessed. Um, yeah, it's probably uh, you know we just pulled. I out guess of our we know ass, what we're yeah. doing. We kind of know what we're yeah. doing, so we just guessed, put yeah. some points on a graph, made but, it look legit. Yeah. We had yeah. our intern Billy work on that. Uh-huh. He's good with graphs and colors. He's good at making Excel graphs. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So um, it's, it's, it's a head-scratcher why Inmarsat won't just tell us why, why they came up with that particular prediction. And uh, as Ari Shulman, the guy who wrote this article that I'm, I'm taking uh, a, a little bit of this from, actually a lot. <laughs> Thanks, Ari. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what he says is, since they won't say how they arrived at their estimates, and I'm totally paraphrasing here, of the frequency shifts for the north and south uh, predicted paths, their argument basically is trust us. And so, in other words, there's no reason to believe they're correct about the flight heading south. I guess, the, uh, you know, I can, this lead, lends, lends a little credence to the whole, like, Pakistan idea to me. Yeah. Or the, like, actual abduction of it. At some point, Emersad is saying, oh, we can't tell you how we came up with these things, but just trust us. Mm-hmm. Just trust us. And, you know, somebody from Boeing supposedly said, like, well, we think it's in Pakistan, you know. At some point, you kind of have to say there's enough weird information flying around that this isn't just coincidence and incompetence anymore. This mm-hmm. might actually be people. And you, again, I say I am not the conspiracy nut here. <laughs> yeah. But at some point, you kind of have to look at all of the incompetence that's been happening around this whole thing and well, say, I wouldn't, well, I wouldn't call it incompetence, but, but misdirection, maybe, errors. I don't know, errors, I guess is probably, you, you yeah. kind of have to take that step back and say, okay, is it possible that all of these people who are like professionals who really should know what they're doing are making these blunders or is it more likely that they're lying that to us? They're not, that they're not supposed to actually tell us what they know. Yeah, I, I, I think that probably is it, which leads to, you know, a whole lot of questions. Supposing it is in, in Pakistan, uh, perhaps our government, the Chinese government, the Malaysian government are negotiating with these terrorists for the lives of the, those 230 people that were on the plane. Well, you, or you just don't want Pakistan to know, I mean, you know, the people who have it, if, if an organization you know has it, that... you don't want people to say, like, oh, we know you have it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're going to try and organize a rescue or covert operation or anything mm-hmm. like that, you're not yeah. going to be like, oh, yeah, we know they have it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, no, that, cool. is, that is a dealio. You know, if you, uh, 
if you are head of a head of a state and somebody commits an act of war, which this is, and you don't want to respond to that uh, provocation, uh, what do you do? Well, the best thing to do to, to avoid losing face is to play dumb. Uh, to, is to just pretend like you don't know anything about it. So you tell tell the, tell the boys in Enmar said they come up with this idea and you say, fine, just cook the books a little bit so we can say it went south and we don't have to go you know beat the bushes up and. Mm. Up in Pakistan and yeah. up, up there. Although in the Kush. I, I will say that if if this is a deliberate misdirection, we've sunk a lot. I mean, just the U.S. Navy alone has sunk a lot of millions resource. of dollars yep. already into well, this, a lot of government this search yeah. near Perth. You know, so if I would say that, you know, I would be really angry well if, <laughs> to know that we had just been like oh yeah no we knew it was in pakistan or we knew it was you know wherever else uh -huh. this whole time but uh we just felt like we needed to save face yeah yeah and it and and obviously and that that's the thing that's a head scratcher too is yeah that, is that if you get caught i mean if you get caught it's the end for you mm -hmm. <laughs> it's really the end because i mean think about all the families who've, who've been thinking for all this time that their loved ones are dead yeah yeah, so you better have a really good story when you get busted. Yeah, yeah, it's true. So anyway, yeah, it's, it's the whole thing is just inexplicable, and it still might have gone south, as as these guys are saying. They're not claiming that it went north. They're just claiming I didn't go there's, the way that no, Emerson yeah, said it did. Yeah, well, and, and I, I I swear that I saw a map that they had drawn, where it took from its original launch point. It took a very southwesterly route, mm -hmm. so it's it's not heading towards Australia at all. It was heading way away from it in the opposite direction, and so it would explain why no wreckage has been found because it is you know thousands of miles in the opposite direction. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and this is again their their map is still saying it went south, but it didn't go southeast it went southwest mm -hmm. relative to where it started from mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's yeah it makes it so, difficult right? yeah so anyway um I, I would say too judging by the fact that not a single bit of debris has been found you know not, yeah, not, a, not the tiniest little oil slick in the surface of the water eh, it kind of makes you wonder yeah yeah so anyway, that's about it. Uh, you guys have any more to add? Any more? Any more? No, there's. Uh, I really don't know much more or? to say. No. Nope. Yeah. yeah. Slipped out of time. Yep. Probably a black hole. Yep. Uh, yeah. So anyway, folks, we just wanted to bring you guys up to date on all the latest. All right, folks. So um, if you would like to send us an email, our th our email address is thinkingsidewayspodcast at gmail dot com. You can also follow us and, of course, like us. Like us a lot on Facebook. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, and our, our webpage is, of course, thinkingsidewayspodcast.com. Uh, you can find us on iTunes. In fact, that's probably how you found us. But if you didn't find us that way, well, now you know. You can find us on iTunes. So please stop. <laughs> uh, give us a review. We like reviews, especially good reviews. We much actually kind of prefer those. Uh, and, of course, Stitcher. If you don't have time to download it to your, to your iPod, you can just stream us on the go. And that's it. So, for Thinking Sideways, this has been a very special episode. The update on MH370. Hope you guys learned something. See you later. Bye, everyone. Bye, guys. <laughs> <laughs>